0: I want to continue this, this is so strange I, I understand I started my Father's Day sermon last week and I couldn't finish it uh, just time it was, it was such that I had to wrap it up and it's so odd to me to preach this on a non this is actually a, a teaching that I give normally when it's just men however I got to thinking about that you know who needs to hear this as much as the men in this room everybody else guess why we need one thing we, we respond to well is a challenge and accountability as men we need accountability It also helps to adjust to what where we are whoever you are uh, in your life to adjust to God's plan and adjust to God's structure societally in the family and and helps us to function biblically so with that kind of preface in mind I want to talk to you. That's why I had David sing that song, How Firm a Foundation. I have really just entitled this message, Foundation. Because I want to take you back to the beginning. The title of that sermon is uh, God Made a Man. And that's what it says in Genesis 1 and 28. That he, he formed man out of the dust of the ground. Just out of the dirt. He, makes, he just puts this dirt together and makes Adam. Right? Then what does he do to this... Sand sculpture. He breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. And the Bible says this coming. And the man became a living soul. But this struck me as I read that. He only made one model from the dirt. And he never went back. I want you to think about that. He makes one model from the dirt. Adam, the first man, he never goes back. Now, the Bible tells us that God gave this man a job. They gave him his work. We talked about that last week. Anybody, fellows, you remember what work means? It's what we are. What was I the only one here? It's what we're becoming. Remember, work isn't what you do; it's who you are and who you are becoming. And that's true for us not just men obviously that's true for mankind God placed potential in us a piece of himself and he wants us to to live to that potential so with that in mind he he gives Adam a job remember what that job was the first thing we see him doing as he manages and takes dominion over the garden he's naming the animals right so he's in his naming thing God is brilliant by the way y'all know that right So he gives him this job, and what does he he do? You know, the lions come along. He says, okay, there's two of them. There's Mr. Lion and Mrs. Lion, and same with the giraffes, and same with the T-Rex. You know, there's Mrs. T-Rex and Mr. T-Rex. And all of a sudden, he gets to thinking, you know, there's two of everything. There's only what? One of me. I wonder about that. And then God makes this comment. It's so interesting. Remember what I said last week that Genesis 1 is what God did? Kind of just knocks it out. Genesis 2 is the commentary of how he did it. Not two different things. It's the same thing. One is just what God did. Chapter 2 is how God did it. It kind of expands it. It's the commentary. And in the commentary section, you know, all you say, God would make this. He said, oh, it was good. God would make this thing. He said, oh, that was good. And day 3, he would make it. He said, oh, that was good. Then he makes. He gets this whole thing done, and he looks down and he goes, it's not good. What's not good? It's not good that the man should what? Be alone. So I got to make a helper for him. I don't know if this is true or not, but the Bible does say that Adam would walk with God. Do you remember what time of day? In the cool of the evening. So in the evening time when Adam's work was done, God would walk with him in the garden. I don't know if this is true, but it said that they had a conversation. And God said, Adam, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's only one of you. He goes, yeah, I was going to ask you about that, God. There's only one of me, and there's two of everything else I've been naming all day. And God said, yeah, I know. And he said, wanna, I want to make, make a Mrs. Adam for you, and she's going to be perfect. She's going to cook for you and clean for you. She is just going to be a delight, and, and she, you, you're just going to have a wonderful life together. And Adam said, yeah, how much is that going to cost me? God said, well, it costs your right arm and your right leg. And Adam said, how much can I get for a rib? Really? That's all I got from that? That's terrible it was terrible <laughs> come on fellas help me out don't 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 leave me hanging here <laughs> so got an interesting that that word is not rib i don't know how quite how it got turned it means it took a piece of his side it wasn't just the rib he took a chunk of adam and he makes he by the way that was the first clone it really literally was because did you know that in every cell of your body is the dna to make the perfect copy of you The thing is, we have trouble in the scientific world of splitting that code. They're getting better at it, which may not be a good thing. And by the way, I just want to say something here. Just because you can do something doesn't mean we ought to do something. Um, And I won't get into that, but please tuck that away. We are entering into areas that are designed only for the finger of God. And I don't know if you read that book like I read it, but whenever a man starts playing God, I don't know about you, nothing good comes out of that right okay so let's be careful there but God takes and makes another Adam only he makes this one different matter of fact the word when he talks about making Adam is the word created or or formed and it literally means just to put it together just you know God made a man it was just what you get but then this, the word in Genesis 2 when it talks about the woman is literally the word uh, to make. And in the Hebrew, it means to craft. So men, whoosh, they're just formed. They're just, what you see is what you get. But God worked on that woman. He put some curves on her, and he made her be- He crafted her where the guy was just, it just what it was. He put some dirt together, blew on it, and here you go. But, but the woman, he makes very differently. But this is the key. And it really is true. Those are two different words in the Hebrew. Here's the key. Where did a woman come from? Who'd she come out of? She came out of the man. God only made one person from the soil, and he never went back. Now, here's what I want you to see. When you look up the word Father, when you look up the word Father, in both the Old Testament and the New, the Old Testament was written in what language? Hebrew. What's the New Testament written in? Great. So make sure we get that. In the Hebrew, the word Father is Abba. And in the Greek, it's potter, or potter. Um, so this is, but they mean the exact same thing. And this was fascinating when, when I began to look at this. Here's the literal definition of those words. Now, we hear Abba, more Abba than potter. But we hear Abba, and we think father, because even in the New Testament, aren't there references? We call him Abba Father. Because uh, it just means Abba is like, it's that word. It means, it means father. It means daddy. It's a, it's a term of endearment. But do you know what it literally means? Both Abba and Pater have the same meaning. And the first and foremost definition is source. Think about that. The word Father means source, it means sustainer, nourisher, supporter, and here's another secondary meaning of the word it is the word foundation. Everybody say foundation. How many of you know you're sitting on a foundation this morning? You realize that? And when you walked into this building, it sits upon a foundation. What's the purpose? You tell me this one. What's the purpose of a foundation? Keep everything, there. Keep everything there. Support. What else? What's that? To hold. Yeah, to hold, it, hold everything on top of it up, right? We have got many, over the years, beautiful pictures of this Church building, specifically when before the cherry trees died and went the way of all flesh out there. In the springtime, I know my wife's taken several beautiful pictures of the church from the road with the cherry blossoms blooming. A couple of times when it snowed, we got some really cool snow pictures of the church. Beautiful picture, but do you know what you never see? You never see a picture of the foundation. Why is it that we never take a picture of the foundation? We love the building that the foundation is built on, and we we take pictures of that and, and look at its beauty, but we never look at the foundation. Why is that? Huh? It's usually ugly. It's underground. This one even sticks up a little bit. All right. It was just put there to put the good stuff on top. Listen, you know why you never take a picture of a foundation? Because if the foundation is doing its job, it's hidden. It's just doing what it does. And listen to me, guys. I want to talk specifically to them. The word father means source or foundation. That's why why a, a, a man, a true man, he doesn't brag about what he does for his family. He's the foundation. He's just being the source. He's just holding up the family, which is the cornerstone of the culture and you don't brag about that that's just what we do we tend to be less beautiful than what's built on top of us i agree with my wife Uh, we're playing we're hidden we're in the background but we're we're holding up the rest of the structure does that make sense now do you see what happens to a culture when the when the source the fathers become broken what happens to the family that's built upon that foundation what happens to a house you ever had a house that had a busted foundation you got broken windows, you got a broken roof, you got broken walls. And that can all be repaired and fixed and livable. But if you got a broken foundation, there's an old saying in, um, in restoration construction business, and it is, if the foundation's cracked, the house is jacked. In other words, the house is done. You have a gorgeous house sitting on a broken foundation, and, and, and the house is not safe to live in. And, and, I, and I fear, now, now just follow me for a second, is that not what's happened in our culture today? The men, the fathers, the source, were broken. And we're building upon broken foundations. And we wonder why we're dealing with what we're dealing with. We wonder why we're seeing what we're seeing. Because the foundation is broken. But I want you to think about this. Even as you think about God, God is the source, isn't he? You talk about father as source. You talk about father as foundation. Is that not God? I mean, God breathed everything there is into existence. Where did it all come from? It came from inside who? God. He spoke and what? It was. So God sourced the universe and everything that's in it. Are you with me? And then look what he does he takes from what he made from the soil and breathes into it more of who he is and he creates a man but he doesn't recreate the man to get a woman instead he says i'm going to give to the man and expect him to do to give back what i gave to him now the man adam becomes the source does this make sense And from the source, from that foundation, he creates Eve. And there's so much in here that there's really no time to go into fully and do any kind of justice this morning. There's so much. God says that, that from Adam, the source, that word father, comes the whole human race. But now God's got a problem because God's not gonna go back and redo it that way. He has to do something different with the one that he makes out of Adam. So he makes... A human being with a womb and the ability to reproduce. So you have the source. You have that which this which comes from the source, and then from the two. And he says it right there in Genesis: the man shall leave his father and mother; the two shall become what? One flesh. From the two come one. And all of a sudden, human. Life, and here's the deal. What a man's sources, he must sustain. Does God sustain what he sourced? Absolutely. He always sustains what he sourced. Matter of fact, I asked you to look at Romans 11.36. Listen to this. You're talking now, think about father in a term of source and foundation. Listen to this. For from him and through him and to him, Are all things to him be glory forever? Amen. Look at that right there. For from him, what is that? That's the source, and through him, and then back to him, are all things. And as men, God created men to be the source and the sustainer and the foundation of society. Do you see what? Do do we not see around us what happens when that breaks down? we really do and we're as a result we're in dire need here's what we need to do as men we have this idea and 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 it's true but it needs to be adjusted in our thinking if we are the foundation somebody tell me where is the foundation on the bottom or the top bottom Bottom. we we like to as men we like to beat our chest and say I'm the I'm the leader of my home I'm out in front no you're not up top you're on the what Bottom. bottom you're the foundation you lead from below you're the foundation. As a man, you are, you are to be that upon which your family is built. If you want to lead, you lead in that strong quietness in which you have sourced your family and then sustained that which you have brought into existence. You lead from the foundation. Right. Yeah, so your dad helps you move in. All he did, all he did was drive me to Walmart by a cable, and took me to the that's where i buy a fish. But it was like, <laughs> so to that long and have that support to know that I was, you know, right. that I was plugging things incorrectly. Right, so your father is still there sustaining that which he, he sourced you. And because, As a father, he produced you, and as a result, he's sustaining that which he produced. He, why? Because he is foundation. And I want to say this, fellas, we know this intuitively, and we run from it. The, the, the bane of the, the curse on the modern man is the curse of passivity. The modern man is passive. And he never knows who he is and what he's called to become. He does not know his work. And we cannot afford to go into the next generation with a bunch of confused young men. We, we need young men going into this next generation who know who they are. They know their work. They know why God put them on this planet. And they are laser focused to get that done. And to die empty. To die when they die that they have done everything that God called them to do. Now, here's a crazy thought. Now, this thing flows. When you start to understand foundation, source and sustainer, and that we lead from the bottom. And remember, if, if, if we are the foundation as men in the home and, in, and as a result as families in the culture, we need to be strong because of everything that's built on top of us. Keep that in mind. Do you remember back in John 14? The whole matter of fact, turn there, turn to John 14, I'll show this to you. The whole discussion that Jesus has with his very clueless disciples. Um, a matter of fact, I have so much respect for Jesus and just dealing with those guys. He, he never, he, he hardly rebukes them, he's incredibly patient in their, in their slowness to both believe and to understand. Um, but look there in John 14, he, he says, You know. Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are, are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to what? Prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, what am I going to do? I'm going to come back take you to myself so that where I am there, you may be also. And where I'm going, you know, and the way you know. And then there's always one in every group. Thomas raises his hand, front row. Yes, Thomas. He says, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way, Right? So, so Jesus says what? I what am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one, this is important, no one comes to the father what except through me. Now check this out. This is key. Nobody reads verse 7. Verse 7 says, "If you had known who me, you would have known what." Mhm. For from now on, you will you know him and have seen him. Then Philip, I shouldn't have said it, there's two in every crowd. There's a the first guy that opens his mouth, and then there's a there's the second guy that that gave boldness to who's going to back him up. Then Philip says to him, in verse 8, Lord, look at this. Show us who? The Father, and it is sufficient for us. Just show us the Father, and we'll all be good. Now look at This is where Jesus might show a little bit of his frustration. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? Now, now underline this in your Bible. He who has seen who? Me has seen who? The Father. So how can you say show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father and the Father that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whenever I ask in my name, that I will do. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Do you see this discussion? They did not understand source, did they? Jesus calls him the Father. In the Greek, it's potter. means source. And he said, look, look, Jesus, here's the deal. You're talking crazy stuff about going away and, and, and making a place for us. and all. We don't understand it, but here's the deal. Just show us the Father and we'll be good. He's making a deal. You ever make deals with God? So just, yeah, show us the Father and, and we'll be good. We'll be good to go. Now, Now, take your Bible glasses off for a minute and... Imagine you're Jesus. Does anyone see Jesus' frustration here? Guys, how long have we been together? And you still don't know me. Because if you knew me, you'd know who. And if you've seen me, you've seen who? The Father. Um, Sam, come here. Help me out for something. I want to show you how this works. Step over here. And just hold that from the bottom. All right? It's kind of like this. This is the Father. And, and Jesus is saying that everything that he does comes from who? Father. And if you've seen Jesus, you've seen who? The Father. So this is, and Father means what? Starts with an S? Source. So this is the source. So the source comes over here and pours some of himself out. You have source. You know what this is? resource you'll never forget this you have the source and you have the what resource and here's what here's what Jesus was saying he said how long have I been with you if you've seen me you've seen who the father if you've seen the cup you've seen what the bottle You've seen the source, you've seen the resource. And that's how come the Bible says, David said, taste and see that the Lord is good. We can't go to the Lord. They don't need to go to the Lord. They should be able to go to you because the source has poured into you. You are now the resource. They should be able to come to you and taste and see that the Lord is good. Am I making any sense here this morning? Source and resource. It's the foundation. So when we, when we look at these two, Jesus is saying, if you've seen the Father, you've what? you've seen me. Thank you, Sam. If you've seen the Father, you've seen me. If you've seen the source, if you've seen the resource, the resource is the same as the what? Source. And by the way, that's why your children look like you. And Mama always said that even if they didn't come from you, if you feed them long enough, they'll start to look like you. And I believe her. What's that have to do with guys? Everything. Everything. It has everything to do with fellows as we begin to understand why God made us. Time Magazine said this a number of years ago. They ran this three years in a row. And on the front cover they said this, this was the title, Dad is Destiny. They said the number one predictor of poverty in children was the lack of a father in the home. You see, even the secular world knows that when that foundation is cracked, the culture crumbles. But God made men as the, as the foundation, as the source, and we need to be busy sourcing. Listen to this your children should be able to see you and know the Father. The question is, what are we full of? The problem is, sometimes our kids, our wives, Our culture, our community, they can't get past you to see what's inside. There's so much of us blocking the way. And it has so much to do even with marriage. If a man doesn't know who he is, he has a very hard time knowing what to do in his family. I think for the first time, we have a complete generation of young men who have no idea no, and no good models of what it, what it means to be this source, of what it means to be a solid foundation. And, and I think we're paying for that as a culture. As I said last week, it's important to understand that God gave Adam his work before he gave him Eve. Put him in that garden, and he said, tend, you, you, you tend to this place. Gave him his work, his meaning, why he's there. And then he gives him his woman. And when Eve found Adam, she found him in two places. As I said last week, Eden means the presence of God. She found Adam in God's presence and busy becoming what God made him to be. And at that point, Adam was ready for this incredible partner called a woman. And, and even her name uh, in the scriptures A help, what? Meet. You know what that word meet means? It's like a puzzle. Have you ever tried to put two puzzle pieces together and you really want them to fit, but they weren't quite there? You ever done that just because you're frustrated and you want to get this stupid thing done and you think it's going to work and it never works? I've done that a lot. This is the puzzle piece that fits perfectly in there. And it helps to make the picture complete. And without it, it's not quite right. God makes this woman and creates her listen, to help the man in his work, to help him become what God put him on the planet to become. And in doing that, she becomes what God put her on the planet to become. And they work together. But here's the problem. The problem with that is we got a lot of guys out there who go out and they get uh, this beautiful young lady, they take her from her parents' house where she has her own room, her own food, she has a car, and he says, baby, come with me and I'm gonna give you a good life. But the problem is that guy's doing nothing. The guy isn't doing anything. And we take this poor woman from a good situation and we bring her home to our house. And here's the thing, God created her specifically to help you in your vision. But if you're not doing anything, just follow me here. You know what happens? You frustrate that woman. Because she comes fully equipped, hear this, she comes fully equipped to enter into a relationship with you to help you become what God designed you to become. And in doing so, you do that together to the glory of God. Are you following me? What happens when you don't have a clue, man? When you have no idea what you're doing, you frustrate her. And because they come so well equipped, they're going to go out and they're going to do something and they're going to they're make somebody else successful, when really they're designed to make you successful. Is this making sense? The woman is designed so differently from the man. The man is designed to give, to source, and to sustain that which he sources. The woman is designed as an incubator. Don't get quiet on me now. And an incubator, you give an incubator something in a very simplistic form, and that woman will take it in, will give it life, and give it back to you in a very different form. I don't don't think you're following me. For example, if you give a woman food she'll take it in she'll give it life she'll give you back a meal think about it guys if you give a woman a sperm she'll take it in she'll give it life a few months later she'll give you a human being a little but that is amazing you give a woman a word she'll take it in give it life she'll give you a sentence right <laughs> that's what she's designed to do. She's designed to, she's designed to, women never keep anything. It frustrates a tar to me about my wife. I give her money. I said, this is just for you. What does she do? She turns around and she, she's spending it on other people. I said, I can't hardly give her anything because I got to give her something specific to her or it's going to somebody else. You know, that never happens with men. <laughs> we are the most selfish creatures. You give me money, i am spend it on me. I don't care if the family's starving to death. That's my money. <laughs> you know, And and women, women never keep anything. They take it in, they give it life, they expand it, they give it back to you. You give a woman frustration, she'll take it in, she'll give it life, she'll give you back the fury of hell. And she will, she'll give you back something to think about. Here's why she's an incubator. She's designed to take in your vision. If you're married, to come alongside of you and to complete what's lacking So that you can become what God intended you to become. That's your work. And so that she can become what God intended for her to be. The problem is we don't know what to, we don't, as guys, we don't know what to do with her. We don't know what to do with the equipment. She's so well equipped, we have no idea what to do. So here's what we say We say, Well, you know, I, I love her and all, but she's just aggressive. She's not aggressive, she's equipped. God made her ready to fulfill you and to make you who you're supposed to be. And you're not going to be able to pull it off without her. You just don't, she's not aggressive. You just don't know what to do with the equipment. And so God puts these women in her lives. That's why it's so vital, guys, that you understand yourself as source, foundation, and then to turn around and be able to be a blessing to that family. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 29, where there is no vision, the people perish. I have a question for you, fathers, as we think about our families. Do your children know your vision? Do your children understand who you are? See, because God gave them to you to also come alongside and help. Do they know your vision? Do they know what you're becoming? And here's the thing, do they want any part of it? Do you remember back in the day? It wasn't that long ago. If your father was a farmer, what were you? Farmer, you entered into the vision of your father. All of our surnames, all of our last names, generally has something to do with the work that your ancestors did, right? Um, Why? Because, listen to me, I believe this with all my heart. I think so many generations ago, Men, as source, they knew what they were doing. They knew who they were. They knew the work that God gave them to become. And they did it so well that their sons and daughters wanted, entered into their vision, and they did the very same things. And I'm just, I want, I'm just begging us as, as men today to really stop and reconsider. What has God called me to do? Do my kids know that? Is my wife clear on what we're about and where we're going? And does she know who I'm to become? And am I communicating that and thus fulfilling her? And by the way, i got to thinking about this. Guys, I think we got it all backwards. And I'm going to say this and I'm going to wrap this up. I think we've got it all backwards. Because of that one verse in Peter that calls her the weaker vessel. That word weaker doesn't necessarily mean less strength. It means precious. Um, because i tell you what. I have watched my wife deliver babies into this world. And if that was me, we would have one, maybe. Uh, and she's done it eight times. So don't talk to me about weaker. Think about it. If, if I need someone to help me, say, and I have in the past, to help me move this communion table, which is apparently made out of lead wood. I didn't know there was such a thing, but this thing is insanely heavy. Uh, it really is ridiculous. If I need someone to help me move this, I'm not going to go get Emma who's six years old. Now, why would I not go get Emma to help me move that? Yeah, she doesn't have the strength. If if someone's going to help me, I need someone who is at least as strong as I am, if not what? Stronger. And God said, I'm going to make this help meet who is perfect for you and God did not send her weak he sent her strong he sent her equipped he sent her with abilities in order to help Adam in his work so that they together can fulfill each other and that's God's design and my plea to all the all the folks in the room and specifically the men we cannot let this just be something that we've heard to tickle our ears we need to see ourselves not on the top, but on the bottom as the source and the foundation of our home. And as men, we lead our families to God's house. And we bring God back to our house. It's our job. And it's part of who we're becoming. You were designed for the presence of God. And you are designed to work, to become what God made you to be. So the question is, as I ended last week with, what is your work? And what are you becoming? What is your work? And that's for everybody. What are you becoming? How are your relationships? Do you understand what God's called you to do inside of the relationships that he's put you into? There's purpose in all of it. And we must discover it because we were made because of purpose. God had something he had already done and he created you to begin it. And we need to go to that graveyard empty. If you have seen me, you've seen the Father. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You have the source and the resource. That's our job, is to see and to understand that. The disciples, they did not get it, did they? No clue what that was talking about. And I found this fascinating. When you see that when, remember, when Jesus' resurrection, he, he, he scares them to death, if you remember, when he goes through the door and they're all in the room. I mean, that would scare me too. Could you just be honest for a minute take the Bible glasses off? You're in a locked room because you're afraid the Romans going to come get you and put you on a cross. And all of a sudden, Jesus like, comes through the door and is standing there. Okay, I'm looking for the exit. A window will work fine for me. Right? The Bible says he comes to them. And he says, "Receive the Holy Spirit, and what did He do? He breathed on them the Bible. I thought that's the weirdest thing I' ever seen. What in the world? And here was the really weird thing is, apparently that was the beginning of something, but the, the fulfillment of that didn't take place till Pentecost. But I thought, what well, there's got to be. Why would Jesus? Nothing, do you think anything's wasted in the Bible? I, I, I'm just one that doesn't believe that. I don't think I can figure it all out always, but I think it's in there for a reason. And then it hit me. I went back and read them. He breathes on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And God breathed into his nostrils the breath of what? Life and man became a living soul. See, when Adam sinned, he didn't lose heaven because he never had heaven. What Adam was given was dominion, and he lost dominion over the earth. You can always find out what Adam lost by what Jesus gained for coming. See, God's whole point was not to take you to heaven. That's the end game. The reason he's called you to himself is to bring heaven to earth, to bring the culture of heaven and saturate earth. When Jesus breathed on those disciples, it was Genesis 1 all over over again he said receive ye the Holy Spirit he breathed on them just like his father did why source and what what the father does the son does and, I'll, and I swear I'm done and guys that's what we need to be in our home what we do they need to be able to look and say that tastes a lot like God and my question is guys is that happening in our homes And ladies and children, are we adjusting to that reality? What are we doing to hold those those men accountable? To be the resource that we can track back to the source of a God who is good. See, that's our job, to help them become. So everybody's got work to do in this room. Nobody's exempt from this reality today. So I want you to bow your heads, and I want to pray specifically for... Two groups of people this morning. I want to pray for our guys. I want to pray for our wonderful ladies who have been so faithful to put up with us fellows for so long. And I want to pray for the children that we would lovingly look to the proper relationships for what we need and see that source. Father, we come to you today thanking you for your goodness to us. I pray for these men in this room that they will begin to understand and see that we need a paradigm shift. We need to look at our, what you're calling us to do through different glasses, Lord. We need to see it through the lens of the kingdom. And specifically as men, we must see ourselves as, as, as father, as the source. Understand it has nothing to do with children. It has to do with what you created us to be. We are the source. We source our families. We source the church. We source our community. And we source the influence of the kingdom to all, everything around us. And, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen the Father foundations in this church. That's what we desperately need. And I pray that you would do that for your glory. I pray that you would, you, you would help us as, as men to strengthen each other. As your word says, as iron sharpens iron, even so, one man sharpens the countenance of his friend. May may we sharpen each other. May we encourage each other to be strong and to be that solid foundation for our families, for our church, for our community, for where we work. And Lord, I pray for the 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 wives uh, of of this fellowship that they would they would. Uh, encourage their husbands to be that source, that, that they, would, they would see their role, as, as you've described it and defined it in Scripture, as phenomenally equipped in this world, even more so because of a different purpose than the men would ever hope to be. But Lord, may they, may they see that equipping in relation to the proper relationships in their life. And I pray that that they would become the massive encouragers and completers, not a doormat, but instead, Lord, someone who would be a partner and equal, who would come alongside and help, who would be strong and encouraging. And I pray for the young people, the children and the young adults that are still at home, that you would help them to to enter into uh, an understanding of why you've called them to submit to their fathers and to their mothers and to give honor. Um, Because in doing so, Lord, they are helping us become what we're supposed to become. And in doing that, Lord, they're beginning to understand what they must become. I pray that the truth of this would find good soil in our hearts. And I pray that when we are reunited again as a church, um, with all of us, with myself, the next time I'm here... I pray, Lord, it would be a time of great rejoicing and that this word would not return void. We claim your promise that the word spoken today would not hang out there in space and disappear like fog, but instead, Lord, that that your word shared today would fall on good ground and would begin to bear fruit even in these few weeks that my family and I will be away. I pray your blessing on this church in our absence. And Lord, I stand up here, and I just I know this church is not about me. Um, I am so privileged to be able to stand here and to share your word every week. But Lord, I pray for the men who will stand here in my place in the next few weeks. I pray for Nick, who will oversee communion next week with the body of Christ, that you would bless him, give him the exact words to say, I pray for Tom who will stand and 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 encourage the body of Christ in our in our uh, responsibility to, to you in the body of Christ together as a church family. I pray that you give him boldness and clarity, and I pray that you give your people ears to hear. And I pray for that young man who's gonna come to us from Atlanta on that third Sunday from the creation ministry um, and, and share with us how we can trust your word in every area that it touches especially and including science and i pray that you would bless him as he stands and speaks and helps us to understand how how dinosaurs fit in the bible and how we can trust your word that that it says what it says and we can we can hold on to that and this that good science backs it up and that your word is an authority in every discipline that it touches so lord i pray that you would bless this time pray that you give my family and i safety on, on, the, on the roads, Lord, um, as we had to drive all night tonight and be in New York City in the morning. I pray that you would just give us favor and protection as we drive the many, many miles between there and ultimately coming back to here. And I pray that, Lord, it'd be great if you just let revival break out while we're gone because it's not about one man. It's about the whole body of Christ, men and women who love you, and seek you with a whole heart. I I pray. I pray that spirit of revival and renewal over this congregation, and I pray that when I get back, that uh, Lord, it would be things would be better here than when I left. Not for my sake, but for the glory of Your name. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, "Amen." Amen. All